Welcome to Herd of Deer. This is Ben and we are back. We are back and we are excited to record Herd of Deer for you once again. And I just want to start off with a few thoughts. I know it's been a while since we've uh, been on and really excited to be back. But wow, this is a weird time to be a Bucks fan. And exciting should be the word. It just seems like for me and for a lot of us that have grown up watching the Bucks, listening to the Bucks, some of us that are very in-depth, we look at the cap situation, we look at the advanced analytics, whatever it may be, it's kind of weird that your whole life you look forward to, wow, we can build for the future, draft picks, young talent, whatever it may be, and then it takes a little while to really realize, wow, we are 45 and 14. Like, this, is, this isn't a future thing anymore, this is a now thing. So I think it's really exciting to be a Bucks fan right now, and it's just it's a little bit surreal to kind of take a moment to look at the future and then start to think about how, you know, obviously the future is important. You don't want to discount that, but what we're doing right now is very important too. We have the best opportunity that we've had in my lifetime to win a championship. I know, uh, you know, that, that 2001 team was strong, but... Did any of us really think that, you know, against the Lakers, Kobe, Shaq, we had a shot? No, we we felt it was a little bit of a fluke that we made it as far as we did. And this is an incredible team, and not just Giannis, but if you look at two through about seven or eight on the roster, it is just incredible. And there's been a lot of moves that put this together where you start to take for granted people like Burke Lopez or Eric Grant, Eric Bledsoe and some of these other guys. But these are guys that are really good at their role, so... Excited to be back for Herd of Deer, and uh, I'm going to make this real quick today. just want to kind of give you some thoughts going into the work week here, uh, and I know we got a long road stretch coming up. You know, it seems one of the big topics right now for the Bucks. Uh, you know, people are getting – we used to talk about the games, but when you win every game, sometimes on, other than the big games, you know, the game against Boston and the game against we just had against Toronto, some of those games are big, but I feel like we end up getting – I don't want to say bored, but when you win by 10, 15, 20 – night in, night out, you start to find other things to talk about. And the big thing right now that it seems to be on Bucks' minds that seems to be divisive for the Bucks fan base is Chris Middleton. And I think a lot to do with just with the expected uh, money that he's going to want to take. Now, it's an interesting topic, and there's a couple different angles you can take. I, I don't know that there's a right answer, but I just want to throw a few thoughts into this because this seems to be what everyone's talking about. If you listen to you know the other Bucks podcasts out there, if you look into you know NBA shows, dunked on, uh, low post, those sort of things, where we talk about the Bucks cap situation, Middleton is kind of that big mover of the future. And if you want to take up a high, very high percentage of your cap room on uh, you know a guy that is an All Star, but people have questions about his ability to be that number two on a contending team. Now, a lot of people really don't like Middleton and. I, I get the concern from a lot of people where, you know, he's not having his best year if you're looking at just raw stats in terms of just shooting percentage, those sort of things. But, you know, an interesting quote from uh, John Horst, he was talking about because we are winning by so many points, a lot of times Giannis and Middleton don't play significant minutes. So you're looking at guys that actually have pretty strong stats per, per 36, you know, obviously – in Giannis, more in the comparison of from an MVP candidacy point of view, where you know a lot of the naysayers for Giannis, the, you know people that follow Oklahoma City or Houston real close, are going to say, well, if you look at the numbers, he's averaging 10 points less per game than Harden, or whatever that you know statistic you may be looking at. And in his in his candidacy, 
it's interesting to look at his minutes played and how if he were to even go up to 36 minutes a game, which is more where he's been in more recent years, his stats would be even more off the charts than they already are. And for Middleton, obviously, where you're looking at is you're comparing him against end-of-tier All-Stars versus bubble guys for All-Star that maybe didn't make it in, which is where the max contract scale starts. I mean, you're looking probably between... 20 and 40th in terms of overall best player, however you want to define that in the league. That's where really those max contracts start. Anything below that, typically players aren't looking for a full-out max contract. And, you know, it's going to be a lot of money if you do want Middleton. And I just want to throw a few thoughts in. I think the biggest concern for me, you know, other than this season right now, obviously winning a championship, when you're looking for the future is, will Giannis sign that max extension in 2019? I apologize, summer of 2020. He has said nothing that would insinuate that he does not plan to, but you really start to think about what he's going to value and if if he's going to be thinking like a GM or if he's going to want to see that the team has invested money into their players. And I think for a guy like Middleton, I think Giannis, Giannis would make it known if he didn't want Middleton, and I think he's going to want them to pay Middleton, whatever that may be. Now, is Middleton going to go for the max? depending on what the cap ends up being. That could be close to $200 million total. Is he going to go for that absolute max? I don't have the answer to the question. My gut says no. I don't think anyone is going to offer him that much money, but I don't think it's going to be cheap to bring him back. I think at minimum you're looking at, you know, and this is something that depends on who you ask, and a lot of it will be what, you know, hit him. I think he's going to be pretty involved in setting the price. You're looking at probably at minimum five years, $140 million. Five years, $145 million, maybe more than that. And the way that the NBA works sometimes with these guys is, to an extent, you sometimes have to overpay your stars. And to get into the cap situation specifically for next year, keep in mind that summer of 2020 will be after next year. So this year is obviously important for, you know, if Giannis does want to sign that Supermax. But I think next year really is going to be that summer that goes into that Supermax. It's going to be the season that leads into it. And that how we perform there is going to be very critical and now let's say you do end up throwing 150 160 million at Chris Middleton maybe you have a contract that's averaging 32 million a year you could maybe uh, have a top heavy heavy or back heavy unfortunately after that first year there's still going to be a lot of money on the books and you're going to have a guy that's going to be 33 years old at the end of the contract but for next year specifically I think it is important to note that cap hold that if we don't sign Middleton next year we don't have that money to just throw at someone else. We can't throw that money at Kemba Walker. We can't throw that money at Clay Thompson. We can't throw that money at whoever you may want it to be. That money is on a cap hold for Chris Middleton. So I think one of the reasons why I would advocate for re-signing Middleton within a reason, even if it's $150 million, $160 million, you don't have a great option. Uh, John Horst has done a lot of great things with the cap, but when you're looking at next year specifically, and let's keep in mind next year is the year that leads into that summer where Giannis is going to sign that sheet. If you don't sign Middleton, that money is basically going to be wasted for next year. Now, what's important to note about that is I understand there's different opinions about how good Middleton is and whatnot, but I think if you look at what he's done this year, we're winning a lot of games. He's our number two guy. He's our number two scoring guy. Yes, his field goal percentage, his raw field goal percentage is poor. He's shooting well below 50% in terms of raw field goal percentage, but I think if you look at the impact that he makes, and a lot of what he's talked about, and John Horst has talked about is his sacrifice he's made, I think he's a great fit. I, I do think that you have these guys like Malcolm Brogdon, Brooke Lopez, 
these other role players that are able to are able to capitalize on creation from offense. Other than Giannis, Middleton is one of those guys that even if he's not getting the optimal statistics that you'd want from a guy you're going to be paying over $30 million a year, he really fits in well in terms of creating. And sometimes at the end of the shot clock, you need a guy that can score off the dribble. I don't know how many guys we have that can really shoot a three well off the dribble. We don't have a ton. We really have a team-based offense, and you've got Giannis, who obviously can create. But a lot of guys are able to succeed because you have Giannis and Middleton making things happen. So I think it is important. I just think it's important to when you think about the contract. Yeah, obviously years two through five are going to be important, and I think there's a really fair argument you could make that okay, let's say we do give Middleton an average of 32 million a year, back heavy. So maybe you're looking at 36 million a year on year five of the contract, which depending on how he wants, might be a player option for that year five. Yeah, I think you can say, you know what, that would be overpaying him in year five. And I don't think anyone would disagree that 33-year-old Chris Middleton at $36 million a year is overpaid. I don't think anyone would really disagree with that, even people like me that are pretty big Middleton fans. But I think what you're not calculating there is next year. I think the 2019-2020 season is very important. You can say that about every season, but just going into that Supermax by Giannis, uh, I think how you perform next year and how competitive you are next year really is going to influence Giannis. And I don't, again, I don't think that we don't need to be scared about Giannis leaving, but crazier things have happened before. It's He wouldn't be the first superstar to leave a big market. So I think you want to demonstrate that you are willing to make an impact and you're willing to pay people like he would like to be paid. And even if it's not him. So and that's just kind of some of my thoughts. I realize that this is a pretty divisive topic. Most of you probably will disagree with me. It seems like most Middleton, most Bucks fans are just kind of ready to get done with Middleton. But I think there are things you can look at more than just raw field goal percentages. Well, as you know, take make sure you're actually taking a look at the cap structure and how that cap hold will influence who we're able to bring back next year. One other thing I just want to talk about real quick and. One of the things that we've had a challenge of defining our players in terms of value is how they've performed in the playoffs. We've had these six or seven game playoff series over the last two years. And when you look at guys like Brogdon, he has not performed super well in the playoffs the last two years. I think that you're hopefully going to see an improvement this year. I just want to, you know, I think let's say we get two playoff series or three, or if you really want to dream big, we get four playoff series this year. We make the NBA finals. You're going to be able to, see a larger sample size of how these guys are performing in the playoffs. You know, last year, unfortunately, Bledsoe did not play well in the playoffs. Tony Snell did not play worth $11 million in the playoffs. You have all these guys that really did not play well, but unfortunately with one series, it's hard to have a very accurate sample size. And uh, as even for Middleton, you know, he obviously did perform well against the Celtics, but 60% from three-point is not sustainable. So I think over two or more series this year, you're hopefully going to be able to get a larger body of work in terms of how these guys are competing in a playoff environment for who you want to bring back. And it's tricky when you have four or five stars in free agents. I know a lot of Bucks fans are divided on, okay, pick three of four. Who do you want? Even pick two of four. And then maybe you start to throw Miritich in there. I know we only have two games of him so far, but you start to think about, okay, who do I want to bring? Maybe it's pick three of five. It's not easy. There's no easy decisions. And I think that uh, we're all going to be able to have a little more light after the playoffs would be my hope. Uh, you can perform bad for a couple of games like Eric Bledsoe did in the last years. But 
if you're performing bad for two or three series, and let's say Middleton doesn't perform this year, let's say we we make the Eastern Conference Finals, we play against Toronto, and Middleton isn't able to perform at a high level, I think then you can start to think about, okay, is this a guy we want to throw $150 million or more at if he's not able to perform a couple of series in a row? So I think that a lot of the thought about free agency, I don't want to say that we it's not a big deal. It is a big deal. But I think we're going to be able to get a little more light on this as we get into the playoff series. So we got a five-game road trip coming up, and we really have done well on the road. We only have nine road losses. So it'll be interesting to see how we do. We're at a point of the year where while – we can afford a loss or two. We really do want to stay against uh, Toronto. And I think that I know there's some Bucks fans that are thinking about, okay, how can we play the Sixers, you know, depending on what seed we get, how can we avoid Toronto? And there maybe are some people that want to get the two seed. But in terms of home court advantage throughout the playoffs, and we even have an opportunity to have it all the way throughout because we have a better record than anyone in the West. I think, you know, it's fair to say that having that one seed could be big. It could set us up well going into the playoffs, but yeah, if we could uh, even get three or four out of the five on the road, that'd be big. I mean, there's no reason to think why we couldn't win all five. There's there's no game on that schedule that really is like, wow, that's going to be a tough one. So, unfortunately, no home games for a couple weeks here for me and a lot of other Bucks fans that do enjoy going to those. I was there last night. Wow, Ja Rule. They're saying that that performance is the second worst thing that's happened to him of all time, other than during the fire festival very poor halftime performance and it was really funny that during the performance Giannis and some other Bucks players just didn't even care they just started shooting their space was kind of limited but <coughs> it was kind of funny how little they actually cared about Ja Rule all right well anyway I'm gonna I'm gonna let you go just a quick podcast today going into the week we're hopefully going to be bringing her to deer back on a more regular basis. And I'm looking forward to getting some of my guests that uh, some of you are familiar with. Andrew, Gus, Gunst, uh, Sam, Klish McClaver, as well as some others that I, I do want to bring on. Uh, just get some different perspectives as we get into one of the most interesting times in the history of the Milwaukee Bucks. Really surreal where we are at right now. Uh, happy to talk about it more. So I'm going to look forward to bringing this back. You can check us out on herdadeer.com, otherwise Facebook, Twitter, everywhere, and uh, certainly do hope that you'll share the podcast. And I don't really plug this that often, but uh, because I, you know, I, I do the podcast to share with people. I'm not trying to have everyone go way out of their way to promote this, but if you do go on iTunes and give us a review, I'm sure you hear this from every podcast you listen to, but it really goes a long way. It does put us uh, up in the search engine. So if you have a minute to give us a five-star or whatever star you want, you can give us a two-star review. If you are able to do that, that really does help us uh, get the podcast out a little bit and uh, share what we're talking about with some other people and uh, try to get some other people involved with this conversation. So I hope everyone had a great weekend. I hope everyone has a uh, great week. Thank you for listening to Herd of Deer. Fear, fear the Deer. Go Bucks. Bucks and Four.